I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game. Between the time when gamers played with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the Coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing undreamed of. And onto the Skygas, destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow. It was given to teach us all how to roll for initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, issue 161. We're back for another live episode. We're on Hangouts this week, and we're sitting in. And you can see our ugly mugs and make fun of us and ask questions. We'll be doing this every two weeks as we do a show. You can tune in and listen in and uh, chat away with us and uh, ask questions. We have our Q&A app up, so you can ask a question. We can answer your question live as you ask them out. It's scary. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And uh, so we had a little technical difficulties getting this together as uh, our producer slash editor slash audio person couldn't get in, so... Yes. <laughs> Not to mention that my webcam technology is circa 1999. Wow. And, and that's bad how? <laughs> <laughs> Matt is using TNA technology to get things done. Yes, and, and not to mention that there was an unfortunate uh, accident involving my uh, normal condenser mic. It decided to take a bump from a high distance and is now sound adds uh, a vacuum filter to uh, any sound. So it sounds like you're in a room with a vacuum cleaner. Awesome. That or you're yeah. working the street sweeper for the day. Who knows? Right. <laughs> On location. Yeah. Anyway. Or maybe so. I was actually in the outpost. <gasps> the outpost? Yes. So, Nick, didn't you have a little present there you were showing us before the show? Maybe you want to show the yes. users out there? Give Joe Block yes, a good cheap pop there? Yeah, yeah sure. Because um, last Saturday was my birthday, March 7th. I'm four years old. And <laughs> a little uh, shout out to Joe here. I pull, bought your damn book. Pull it back. Adventures Dark and Deep. Da, 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 da. That's the bestiary, everybody. And here's the Game Master's Toolkit. And the Player's Manual. Right here. Okay. Oh. They came out and real nice. Huh. I, I got them on recommendations also from my friend Jeff, who got them too. He got hardbounds like, like I did, and I can't say enough good things about them. I mean, Joe did a fantastic job doing his homework on getting this together. All the little nuggets of information that Gary Gygax put out, you know, what he wanted for, what he envisioned for a second edition of AD&D back before he left TSR in 85. So left. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll put it nicely. He, well, you know, <laughs> we all know the story. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's all the stuff in there that I, Gary wanted, like, for character classes, like the Mystic, the Montebank, uh, just for just for starters. Um, 
the assassin class is now optional in the appendix. There is no monk class, but I would say mystic is pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as, you know, the rules are more streamlined. There's lots of cool charts in there. So and the, the beast theory is fantastic. And I think everybody would be pleasantly surprised that a lot of the monsters in there are actually the majority of them from the the three uh, original books, Monster Manual 2, Monster Manual, and Fiend Folio, I think most of them are in there. Mm-hmm. Even even the Mind Flayers under a different name, Beholders under a different name, but they're in there. <laughs> and where did you get the books from, print-wise? I got them from DriveThruRPG. So what's the quality like? The pages, they're good? Um, and- excellent quality. Uh, I would have to say it's... Um, the binding is very good. It's very rugged. Um, I think they, the the printing itself is crisp and clean. I don't see any. I didn't find any typos or any sort of uh, irregularities. Well, Everything was bound. It's very well done. Even though, uh, how's the page quality? Is it thin? Too page thin. Qu- I would say page quality is very good. Okay. It feels, the, the paper feels like it is like uh, your standard paper quality you'd find in your old original books. I mean, I'm not shy to say that. In fact, here we go. I gotta, I'll got show you a quick picture here. Like, this is out of the Game Master's Toolkit. Mm-hmm. Some of the charts like, I uh, know, weapons type, sword type, pole arms. And you can see the charts there. Very well done. And the artwork is very good, too. I have, There's some really good artwork in here. Um, here's a picture. It looks like a hill giant getting shot in the butt by a lightning bolt. <laughs> very reminiscent of, of Tramp there, I must say. But um, And that's just in the Game Master's Toolkit. There's, you know, it's commissioned artwork. Um, here's a real good picture of a drow and some of the other subterranean races, Duger, and I think uh, Deep Gnomes. But uh, yeah, really, really good stuff. So yeah, here's and I like how the bestiary is broke down. The bestiary is broke down where it, like the first parts the. Uh, Talks about wilderness and dungeon monster descriptions. Then you have underwater and waterborne, and then prehistoric monsters, and then your extra planar monsters. Then that's how they're all broken down. He even put in a bestiary. Um, he put in a one-page blurb on psionics, basically calling it the psychic strike. And it's an appendix B in there. One page. It's all you need. So if you want psionics, there's one page in there. It's just some psychic strike. It's real easy. I love it. It's great. So what were the prices? hats off to half off the Joe there. What are the prices of the books right now? Oh, you had to ask me that. <laughs> oh, if you don't know, don't prices worry. Prices of the books. Um, I They had a deal going on at Drive-Thru RPG where if you bought the hardbound, you got the PDF for free. 
In fact, okay, here's my uh, slip. I got the player's manual, and then this is uh, hardback is twenty nine ninety five. Oh wow, okay. Um, the Game Master's Toolkit is twenty four ninety five, mm-hmm. and the Beast Series forty four ninety five. So, so roughly for about a hundred dollars, you you're set. I mean, okay. and everything is compatible with like first and second edition AD and D. You can port over stuff real easy, so I'm I'm really happy with it. So yeah, that was the deal that was going on, and I think the softbounds are about ten dollars less if you want to get that. But I like the hardbound books because that's how I roll. <laughs> yep, and if you go back in our way back machine to issue sixty eight, we actually had Joe on the show where Vince sat down and talked to him about Adventures Dark and Deep and yeah, some of his thoughts was, behind it. So Yeah, that was when he was beta testing the whole thing. We're like, you know, giving the free PDF copies to the look it over and I am uh really happy with Joe with what he did. He's hopefully he gets more stuff coming along the way. So mm. Definitely. So what's been going on, Nick? What's going on with your games? Well, I'm going to be using Adventures Dark and Deep for my new Land of a Thousand Towers campaign. So I'm really excited about that. I'm going to, We're actually going to start that this coming weekend. We're going to do a half-and-half half session. We do half mine. like a. We're going to do a one-off maybe, see how everybody likes it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because it's something really different because if – Kind of refresh everybody. Land of a Thousand Towers is the um, the anomalous subsurface environment uh, by um, Patrick Wetmore, and here's one of the books right here. That's levels two and three, and I think I mentioned on the previous show that we did that Pat is going to have the third book out this year. So we'll have levels uh, four and five out. So, sorry, I'm getting them all kind of together here. <laughs> I got a stack of stuff, but um, yeah, it's you know it's it's a very Gonzo game world. I mean, you got you know dwarves with shotguns and maybe laser guns, and it's if you like um, you know the old Jack Vance's Dying Earth series, yeah. Dark Tower series by Stephen King, Thundar the Barbarian, Herculoids. That's pretty much, you know, what it's all about. So if you like that sort of thing, um, I definitely recommend it. Go so they uh, he has still has it on sale at Hulu, <clears throat> not Hulu, but Lulu uh, for for print. Or you can go to his his website, uh, Henchman Abuse. Henchmanabuse.com. Yeah, uh, it is the actual web address is henchmanabuse.blogspot.com. He has the blog, and he's got a really, uh, and he's got um, he's got some really cool updates. If you if you've already bought the uh, either the PDF or the print copies, you can. Uh, he has I think free for download there uh, the the maps and the handouts for those. So. Yeah, really cool stuff. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, that's pretty much it on the gaming session, and also with the Star Wars thing I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Did some heavy modifications to my YT1300. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I have now a times one hyperdrive on the thing. I'm almost as cool as the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost, but not quite. So, how about you, Vince? What's up on uh, gaming for you, sir? Um, absolutely nothing, as I've been mostly writing and focusing on uh, an adventure I just actually put out with Mobius. Remember Brian Fitz from Mobius Adventures? We did that uh, big yes. thing. Yeah. Him and I were working on uh, a collaboration together. We put it out on Drive Through RPG called A Snake's Heart. Uh, Matt, I'll give you the link so you can throw it in the notes. Okay. It is a sword and wizardry white box uh, adventure that can be, you know, translated to any... Uh, edition of OSR D&D. It's a, a Conan-esque type adventure. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. It's part of our Lost World adventure uh, campaign setting that we're devising. <sighs> Which tells me there's, like, dinosaurs. Possibly. Possibly. Well, Lost Age adventure, actually, I should say. Okay. Yeah, Very thing. cool. Yeah. That's what we've been mostly focusing on and uh, seeing what people think of that, so... And no that's at Drive Through RPG or RPG Now or Paizo Publishing. Okay, any one of those normal places. You just type in a Snake's Heart, and uh, it'll come up. Cool. Matt could probably do it right now as I see him doing something. So yes, yeah, on his on his computer. Yes, and I'm also having to eyeball out the side. I the kitten has invaded the studio. <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. And I have a paper shredder <laughs> near the desk, and I'm just waiting for the kitten to jump on top of the paper shredder and start it up. She's done it before, so I'm just like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I must say the cat's going to end up in the paper shredder. <laughs> Fortunately, she's larger than the actual hole of the paper shredder, but still, it's <laughs> not a good idea to have cats playing on top of paper shredders. Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't worry. I'm on when I do a brainstorm podcast. Eric's dog and cat both make appearances on the show. So, yes. Yeah, I kicked the dog out earlier, so Oof. she won't be bugging me anymore. Yeah. So, I, unfortunately, <laughs> the way my house is laid out, my computer room studio doesn't actually have a door. So it does. So I don't have the natural animal barrier required, and I have a house with three cats. Oh. And that's a lot of hero clicks behind you, bro. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot. And if we that's want a to, lot of hero yeah. clicks. And and I haven't even bought any for like the past year. <laughs> so that's just like my old collection. And if we were to pan the rest of the room, you would see like the shelf of RPG books and then my uh, one shelf of board games. And then if we went into my bedrooms where my shelf of Avalon Hill stuff is. So no, we don't want to disturb the missus right now. Yes, we're we're not doing RFI cribs, so I'll <laughs> spare you the uh, sickening <laughs> event of moving yes. the web camera. Gamer out. man caves. That's what we yeah. should do a show on. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a good show. So, yes, what, what well, have you been up to? A gaming? Video exclusive. Gaming wise, Matt, what have you been doing? Absolutely nothing. It's just been a series of people out of town and just not able to get around for gaming. Tonight, though, after the show, we are joining up to play the Pathfinder card games. So, I heard oh, that was fun. Times. Cool. And then we actually have keep our characters from adventure to adventure, so we are leveling up our characters and the equipment and everything. So It's hmm. fun times when we can't quite oh. get a full uh, gaming session in. Good times, good times. That's the yeah. adventure card game does that? 
Yeah. So it's yeah, because like you have your character them. and you build a basically you build like an adventure uh, deck lift of your gear and you play through it. Oh. And then as you find more gear, you just replace out the old crappy gear with the new gear, and we just write down huh. what cards are in our deck from adventure to adventure. And it also has like stats as you complete adventures that level up as well. Wow. So, yeah. So it's interesting. interesting. It's a really good game. It's a little on the pricey side, like anything Paizo. But yeah. no, it's if you can get a good deal on it, it's definitely worth checking out. That sounds yeah. like the old Warhammer Fantasy roleplay game. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, Warhammer Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't played that. But we I got my book played, right down here too. <laughs> we played a lot of the 40k, the uh, Dark Heresy, and uh, the other of, of that recently. And the Heresy. Uh, Heresy. <laughs> yeah. And then we uh, have uh, also coming up in about three weeks is our annual uh, weekend getaway where we rent a cabin out at a state park and just board game all weekend. Oh, you got that big old gaming weekend coming up. Cool. Yep. Yep. We got like a group of seven of us going away and just board gaming three days straight. Well, unfortunately, nice. I, I have to miss the first day because we have a big wrestling show on a Friday night at a concert venue in Cincinnati, so can't make it okay. to that. And we got some, like... Can I uh, make a shameless plug for a board game? Sure. Absolutely. Go ahead. Because um, Not just because it's by Kenzerco, Great Space Race, if you don't I, have it already. I've played that with Tim Cask. <laughs> oh, you played it with Tim Cask. Okay. So yeah, I, I played it with Jim, Jim and Tim at a, uh, yeah. their local uh, game store. It, it was good times. <laughs> Yeah, and for the hell of it, Cards Against Humanity, man. Yeah, yeah, good time. <laughs> Cards Against Humanity is great. Playing board games with Tim is amusing because he goes into editor mode. He was like, well, this should oh, be changed. And he was like, no, oh, no. they should hire Peter to help out. And yeah, it's good times. Yeah, he's he's like, game you know, when it's your turn, you better be like me. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, that's about all in my gaming world. Cool. All right, Nick, we have some stars, don't we? Yeah, I've owned mine here. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some five-star reviews from iTunes. And just to remind everybody, go to iTunes, go to the iTunes store, type in Roll for Initiative, and you can go to ratings and reviews and uh, give us a whatever star rating you feel like uh, we deserve. <laughs> five stars. Uh, but... <laughs> Mr. Subliminal there, five stars. But uh, anyway, I got two reviews here. One from Sterla Snorson says, hands down the best for first edition AD&D, folks, and five stars. And it reads, I love this show. I wish Vince, Nick, and Matt would do a new show every day. Yeah. I'd be out of a job. But since they're kind enough to provide such a wealth of knowledge, ideas, and inspirations, and sheer entertainment at no cost, I must be grateful for the current production pace. I have tried other D&D-themed podcasts, and I find Roll for Initiative to be the best one out there in terms of production, content, hosts, adherence to old-school first AD&D spirit, or any other measure. Although I have heard these guys claim they are not experts. We're not. In fact, yeah, it's kind of like a disclaimer. <laughs> In fact, they're some of the most knowledgeable experienced 
20 AD&D practitioners you'll ever come across. Listening to them has really helped me improve as a DM and inspired some great ideas for our family campaign. Very cool hearing about a family campaign like yeah, that. Yeah. The different personalities of Vince, Nick, and Matt complement each other perfectly. I always enjoy the good-natured debates, discourses, and conversations. If your AD&D roots go back to the early or mid-80s, then this is the show for you. One of the things I like best about this show is that they usually it usually sticks to a PG rating, so I can listen to it with my 10- and 12-year-old daughters, who are also fans of become voracious AD&D players. <laughs> Double thumbs up here. Partially thanks to the podcast, Vince, Nick, and Matt have brought me and my family many hours of enjoyment, and I hope they never stop. Well, Sterla, we hope they never stop either. Yes. <laughs> and if you would like those daily podcasts, if you can get our Patreon enough, we can get our, quit our day jobs. <laughs> we will give you daily podcasts. Wouldn't that be the dream? <laughs> yes. Yes. So we'll, yeah, we'll start one of those uh, you know, pledge drives anytime pretty soon. So, If you look right here yes. on my screen, there's – if you look right there here, there is the link right there, patreon.com slash WGP. And you can listen Wild to shows. You can get early access to shows. You can get our special fly on the wall, which you can hear pre-recordings of the show, things like that. Special little add-ons here and there, depending on how much you feel like donating. Or if you just don't want to donate anything, the show is always free. Don't worry. Yeah. And probably special outtakes that aren't PG-rated. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Yes, if only they got to take part in the pre-show today and my technology oh, issues. Oh, don't yes. worry. We're so lucky we have you as our producer, Matt. I know. Some, some <laughs> folks will be privy to that. Yes. Technology no worky for me. <laughs> anyway, here's my second one from DM Kojo. Hey! <laughs> DM Kojo's never wrote a review for us? Yeah. Oh. And he wrote, third time is a charm? Hmm? Question mark. With five stars. As someone who has been listening to this show nearly from the start, I have reviewed it two other times, but this show continues to evolve and change in new and interesting ways. Warning and an updated review. Okay. Okay. DM Kojo is always keeping us on our toes. <laughs> this show renewed my passion for RPGs and got me back into role playing in a big way. The current uh, crew of hosts, Vince, Nick, Matt, and Chad, whenever we see him. has <laughs> excellent chemistry. Each brings something valuable to the show. The most recent episode, 159, which reviewed the classic module L1, was one of the best ones yet. Oh, thanks, Kojo. Cool. I owned this module back in the day, but never gave it much consideration to run. Having heard their reviews, I busted the adventure out for the first time in 25 years and love it. Hope I can't wait to incorporate it into my game. Keep up the great work. Me or always roll for first initiative, DM Kojo. Nice. So, yeah, that was a fun show to do. I and I have to admit, looking through that module again, it at first I think we even said in a review, I was I was kind of intimidated by first. I really couldn't figure it out. But you know what? There's some really cool stuff in there. Yeah, once you break it down and look and look it over, it does seem like it can be run. I know I was intimidated too. Definitely. Yeah, you know, but I think it's a really cool, cool toolbox kind of uh, adventure. You know, like I, th I think it was say it was like it's really sandboxy if you like that sort of thing. So, right, it's. I think 
it's it's fun looking back at some of these old modules because when you look at them when like in our younger days when we first started gaming the way we viewed and what we wanted out of our modules was different we kind of wanted more handholdy we go here we go here we kill this we kill this we get the stuff yeah. and you we i think as children you can't really appreciate the nuance of the sandbox or the fact of you're just going to pull stuff out of all these different sources and make it something completely different. So right. having that fresh look in all these old modules, I think is good, and you could get some more enjoyment out of things that you passed off, except yeah. for historical. That hasn't aged well. Oh, well. <laughs> so we can't well, even say that. We tried. No. <laughs> and that was a fun episode, too. That was like our MST3K episode there. Yeah. That was so fun. We kind of let off some steam. And <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Sometimes you need that. Okay, cool. So go to iTunes, search us, leave us a review, uh, one to five stars. If you give us less than five, please let us know how we can get five. And uh, <laughs> please do. Anyway, so let's head into some Sage Advice. Sage Advice. This is Sage Advice, uh, produced by me this episode, So, um, because Matt's not doing anything this week as producer. Um, <laughs> I don't think we want him to do anything, I'm not sure. Technology yeah, <laughs> hates me. Yeah. Uh, RFIstaff at gmail.com, uh, 570-865-4210, the hotline for voicemails. Go to our site, RFIpodcast.com, just click on the contact us and you can send us an email that way. Go on G+, yep. and uh, check that out. Go to uh, G Plus Plus Wild Games Productions to catch our live shows every two weeks via Hangouts if you'd like, or you can always listen to the audio cast, which is fine. Either or. Okay, we're all so, over the place. We're all over the place. Yes, we are on Facebook, but I don't really go on Facebook that much anymore. I, I, mm. Matt's probably more of anybody on Facebook for us. Yeah. So we have. Yeah, whereas I'm not like the G Plus guy. You're the G Plus guy. I'm the Facebook guy. Yeah. And Twitter is just there for announcements, which is, I don't even know, RFI staff, yeah. I think, RFI podcast, I don't know. I think it's RFI podcast, because I think our WordPress is set up to auto-update it. Yeah, so I don't know, I don't have a Twitter account. I don't tweet. <laughs> Good thing you didn't say the other word. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the one that Stephen Keep Colbert always likes to say. Um, Keep it a PG. Yeah, exactly. For uh, for whoever said that, was that Snurla or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, uh, JV West wrote in and said that he was he enjoyed our secret Bone Hill episode. So that's another person giving us props for that. Huzzah! Uh, hey, yeah, and he's considering adopting it for the DCD, uh, DCC game. So all the different additional information we provided was very helpful. Huh. Uh, there was one part we questioned where that table was based on levels, what rumors the NPCs would know. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, he was saying mm -hmm. that um, uh, it's meant for the levels are meant for NPCs. The module text states that only a character with a level will know any rumor at the at all, and the chart shows you the chance per level of knowing them. The PCs have to mingle and talk with the locals in order to reveal the stories and rumors. Okay. It seems that level nine NPCs have a lower chance of knowing rumors than the seventh or eighth level. Perhaps they've been away in the world too long and forgotten something. <laughs> okay. And then I he guess asked, that could be a rationale behind it. Yeah, and then he asked we should do an episode on the ghost tower of Invernus, but we did. 
Yes. Yeah. But what, what what show was that? That was issue as we go. Ninety four. Okay. Way back in ninety four. <laughs> issue ninety four, not nineteen ninety four. <laughs> right. Back in two thousand twelve. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> And he also, um, he did write a, uh, another email in, but I'm just going to include it into the one email here. Talking about our Labyrinth Lord AEC review episode, which uh, he enjoyed. He said he ran his group through the LL, Labyrinth Lord, and the Advanced Companion, first through fifth level about. Cool. And he loves using the 1E. He tackles everything you want for, for a basic D&D Dungeon Master, keeping all the cool options, extra spells, magic items. And allows you to toss out things that clash with basic D&D. And he puts, I'm looking at you, weapon speed segment, and psionics. So. <laughs> well put. <laughs> yeah. And then we have one final email from Kevin Long talking about the death and taxes and B1 when he wrote in. Uh, something, I don't really remember this, but I think it was, uh, he said something about death and taxes. He said he clipped on the, the episode for that, but it played the episode we were talking about B1. Okay. So I don't know if you want to look into producer that. Producer Matt will have to get on that. Yeah, producer yeah. Matt. Okay. Don't try to fix it now. You're having trouble with technology today. Uh, so Yeah, that would probably be a horrible idea. Yeah, probably I'll crash the internet for all we know. Yeah, I'll update our website while on the show, and I can only imagine what happens at this point. Brings down the whole backbone of the internet on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next so, thing you know, you're getting a different uh, Wild Games Productions podcast <laughs> using the D10 for initiative. Ew. Matt, I'm just going to drop you from this call. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that ends just sage advice this week uh, from the email bag. Well, we have more emails, but we'll get to them another time. But I want to get to our highlight of the night. Which we're doing another review. We've been handed a really cool module. Uh, we'll get into that in table matters, but I just want to give you a quick look on the iPad mini here. Dun, dun, Is that backwards? Dun. I don't know. I can't tell. Yeah, you got it up there. I wasn't it's sure if it's, it looks backwards on my screen, so. Yeah, it looks backwards on my screen, too. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe because it's on an iPad, mirroring on the thing, mirroring on the yeah. other thing. I have no idea. But that's what the cover is. It's old school. Rules, Dungeon Module, YS1, The Outer Post of the Outer Ones by Jeremy Rebin, I think his name is. Yeah, I think that sounds right, Rebin, or Rabin. So let's head into some table matters where we'll go through that. This podcast is brought to you in part by a not very generous grant from Lesser Gnome, publisher of quality role-playing games since last year. Gnomes value high-minded programming just like you. Learn more at their website, www.lessergnome.com. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world, I'd like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. All right. Here we are. Table manners. We're going to talk about the, this old school rules adventure. Dungeon module YS1. The Outposts of the Outer Ones by Jeremy Rebin. And uh, I have to say, overall, this is a very cool module. Really different. Really different. Um, 
And Jeremy, I guess, wrote this. It's going to be the first in a series of modules that are going to be based off the works of H.P. Lovecraft. And they're written for the use with, like, first edition AD&D. So this module takes, I would, I think it's the, um, the story Whisper in the Darkness. Yes, yeah, it does. The Whisper, the Whisper yeah. in Darkness, uh, which has... Um, if I remember correctly from my my readings, it's about aliens. I uh, the about the aliens, the the Migo, which are the kind of crustacean-looking creatures that have like heads that look like brains, but they're not crustaceans. They're actually like an intelligent fungus from the planet Yugoth, and they have they've been coming to Earth for millions of years, and it has things like is that them? some guys. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no, it's actually the ones with the wings. Oh, the wings, okay. Yeah, that's yes. the burrower. That's the burrower. But the Migo are the ones they have, they, they oh, look like, sort of like... They look like Crustaceans, crustaceans sort of things. Like and they this. have like, it's, they're, but they're actually uh, an intelligent fungus. They, yep. look, they look like there this, you go. Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay, okay. Yeah. They're rather freaky. So looks like a joint with wings. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's a lot more science fiction in this thing. Uh, not a whole lot of investigation or mystery, but it is a really cool dungeon crawl. This would be a really cool, cool adventure if you um, want something, in my opinion, like if you remember Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like that. But much much smaller. Yeah. Um, so there was the the Migo in this. I they make an outpost on the planet of whatever your your game world is, and they've explored around the area, and they've made contact with some people in the area, and that sort of ends up with people getting abducted by the Migo taken back to their lair and their brains taken out of their bodies and put in cylinders. <laughs> but eventually, like, some of these people are let go and everything, and kind of a cult is built up around the Migo there. So, and so you have, that's the kind of a weird basic picture. premise, because you don't really know what the motivations are of these creatures. You hear some rumors within town like uh, the the graveyard has been uh, dug up and the bodies removed, but only the recent burials. Uh, a ranger has mentioned hearing strange buzzing sounds coming from the woods at night. That's really cool little uh, uh, rumor because if I in the, the the original story the the Migo how they talk is either through like um, the colors of their heads changing various ways. Or they, if they do speak vocally, it has a strange buzzing drone to it. So, what is there? another rumor is a group of creepy-looking men have been asking about strange occurrences in the wood and muttering something about a yellow sign. <laughs> if you know your Lovecraft, hope they don't mean the Golden Dryad. That's my favorite tavern. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's some other rumors in there. But uh, you, and there's a small wandering monster table that 
that he gives some of the Mygo, the Mygo in Human Disguise, and actually this is kind of important when the Mygo, uh, if they don't go out in their natural form, what they'll do, what they have been doing in their their lair, is they genetically uh, created basically meat suits for them to wear <laughs> and go out looking like humans. So then there's a, you can encounter this weird looking cleaning robot. <laughs> uh, also, there's a cyborg fighter called Nary Gajar in my encounter. It's one of the, uh, one of your random encounters. Uh, a Mygo commander is bionic Sasquatch bodyguard. <laughs> uh, and there's a there's a few others, uh, Cena, and she's important later on. There's oh, a my John Cena. there's a group of there's a group of individuals which are uh, they're kind of mythos related, but they're um, they're worshippers of Hastur. Hence, they were talking about the yellow sign, what have you. If you're familiar with the Cthulhu mythos and Lovecraft that uh, they're opposed to the Mygo and they're trying to root them out. And in fact, I believe he wrote this to where you can actually be part of this Hastur cult and trying to take these Mygo out. But uh, that's the wandering monsters, the wandering encounters you might have. So it goes right into the dungeon environment. It's it's not very big. I think it's about twenty two areas, twenty two rooms. Well, it's a nice it's a nice at. adventure. So yeah, you know what? That's why I'm yeah exactly. It's a good one off. It's a good one off adventure if you want to to kind of introduce. I think this is a really good adventure if you want to introduce mythos, Cthulhu mythos uh, elements into your campaign, but not. Um, I don't, I don't know if. Uh, it's just as a one-off. It, it, you know, if your friends, if your gaming group doesn't like it, then so be it. You know, you just did the one game. Or this is really good, like uh, for a game like uh, the Gonzo Anomalous Subsurface Environment. <laughs> it's in perfectly into that as well, because you know, lasers and you know, wars with shotguns and what have you. So it would fit in with with a really cool uh, over-the-top Gonzo campaign there too. So you go into the dungeon, you have the entrance area where you're – everything – just to let everybody know, everything is somehow either genetically or bionically enhanced. Like in the entrance area, there are four bionic bugbears. <laughs> they have been bionically enhanced. So uh, you run into those guys. There's a there's a bionic griffin <laughs> that you might – that you probably run into. Uh, he has, this this thing is really cool. This bionic griffin has two wing-mounted lasers hmm. that do two to twenty points of damage each. Special defenses. It has a chaff dispenser. If anybody knows anything about fighter aircraft, <laughs> it says special defense chaff, which does nothing unless the party has radar-guided missiles. And in parentheses, <laughs> which they probably which don't. they probably don't. <laughs> But I love that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, this entranceway, the next entranceway is pretty cool. The decontamination sphere. Yes. How yeah, that could freak everybody out. Because <laughs> they'll walk into that area, 
and they have the decontaminating sphere, and they're probably thinking they're getting like hit with something really nasty, so they're going to eventually like attack this thing. So, but you just might if you attack it, you might explode it. Yeah, um, take twelve points of damage maximum. So, yeah, yeah. I also got the impression of this adventure. It's probably not for hack and slash. I would say no. It is. Well, I would say yeah. It is, mm. but I would think as far as levels, probably sixth to eighth level characters. You know, it's not a low level adventure by any stretch of the imagination. I think that's what he said. Because you got, yeah, because you got, like the next encounter is in the the quarters for all the um, humanoids yeah. that are in there, and one of them is Zardron. He's a Mygo in human form, and he's an eighth level fighter. And uh, he has a really cool weapon called a Star Sword. <laughs> the, the Star Sword, it's basically, it's a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lightsaber. So, <laughs> uh, 6 to 10 level, it says. Oh, it does? Where did it say that? Uh, first right paragraph. Very big... I must have missed that. The adventure Darn is it. meant for a party of 6 to 10th level characters. Okay, that that sounds about right. Okay. It doesn't tell you how many, it just says a party of. So, assume four at least. Yeah, minimum four. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's some other cool, not necessarily magic items, but there's some interesting technological items I'll talk about a little bit later, That, like the Star Sword that you might uh, give descriptions on. I can tell you, like, there's this thing called a biological jumpsuit. Uh, the bathroom area, there's a biological towel. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. There's, like but, a lot uh, of- there's some other... Sorry, I was listening. There's, there's a lot of seems like a lot of walking around, looking and scratching your head at what these things are. Yeah, that's why I love it. Because <laughs> there's some of these. You're gonna walk in a room and you go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like the observation room. In the center of this room is a small podium-like structure with depressions and grooves. The walls of the room are all view screens. In essence, the room works like a crystal ball. A creature places his hand or some sort of limb on top of the podium and simply visualizes what he wants to see. So that's kind of a head-scratching room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also, yeah, yeah, just with all the random stuff in it, there's all the stuff that will have them head-scratching, but if they play with it, it's not like in some adventures where if you're too curious, you end up killing yourself. But there is the potential of hurting yourself. There is the potential, but it's not as bad as it could be for a lot of time. A lot of times when adventures have that sort of curiosity standpoint, it's mostly there to see if the players are dumb enough to use it. This is more of, this is just how this is set up, and it's actually all useful for what the uh, MyGos are trying to accomplish, as opposed to player traps. Yeah. Absolutely. It's um there's some technological things if you're not careful and when you stumble upon that are part of the MIGO complex, they could be they could hurt you if you're not careful what you're doing because they're new. But yeah. uh maybe not kill you outright. Well yeah. wait, that's not entirely true. There is one area it could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um then well there's the prison area. I love the prison area because um, there. This is the first adventure, ladies and gentlemen, that I've actually seen where there is a flumph written into the adventure. Yes. And I have to give credit to our author here for actually incorporating a flumph. Flumph. Because in the 
Yeah, there's a flump. There the he is, right fo- there. Folio. Oh, yeah. Right there. There's flump. Right in the adventure. You there's can see flump. It. It's, it's cool because they say uh, in the description, the cell contains a strange floating ovoid creature uh, with eyes on stalks and tentacles and spikes underneath. It is a flump, which completely baffles the Mygo. <laughs> I love that. So, and then they have... Uh, there's a, a Swan May. Her name's Trelissi, and this has got the Mayago kind of perplexed as well. Mm. So she's captured there. Um, <laughs> there's also a Ghast. Is that the kitten, Matt? Which is, yes, which it is. is in the, cell. the kitten Here's was staring at Nick. Oh. Yeah, it was actually nose-to-nose with you. Oh, awesome. <laughs> But there's a ghast in there that they have a kind of, uh, I guess, I don't know, starving it or anything like that. Right, it's just they said the, the cell contains an emaciated gray humanoid as a ghast. The Mygo are perplexed by its non-living undead nature, but familiar with the creatures they know as ghouls, which are similar but living creatures. Yeah, so, so they pr- probably captured it and they're trying to figure out, what is this thing? Yeah, in the flump. So with some of the empty cells, too, if you wanted to, you could even throw in just more really oddball monsters you would never use anywhere yes. else just to uh, – because that's something they would be interested in. So all the uh, uh, land of misfit monsters, you could just flesh them out in this module. <laughs> yes, the flump fits in perfectly. We're the land of misfit monsters. Um, the next room is a really cool one, the teaching machine. So basically it's there's a console and there's a strange helmet. You put this helmet on and you turn on the machinery, make a detour or make an intelligence check. If you fail, you take 3d6 damage and you pass out for about the same amount of time. And and maybe lose a point of intelligence. But if you succeed, you you learn something. Well, it says possibly losing, so what's the possibility? Is it up to the DM, I assume, in this point? If you fail your intelligence check. What well, says possibly so you, losing a point? Doesn't mean you will lose a point. If the damage was greater than his ability score, so. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, That's how the... So if the damage was more than your intelligence... And yeah, you'll lose a point of intelligence. Oh, that sucks. But if you succeed in your intelligence check, there's various different things that you can learn. Uh, you can un- you can understand the Mygo language. Um, there's uh, you learn how to operate appliances in another room that's in there. User is taught new ways to think, and your intelligence is increased by one. Uh, you understand what each medicine does in room number eleven, uh, and it goes on and on and on. Oh, here's a good one. I love this one. Number eight. User learns several cosmic mysteries, including the essence, but not the source, of the Hounds of Tindalos, from whence Cthulhu first came. Lose one wisdom, but can make an intelligence ability check recognize a Cthulhu mythos creature. <laughs> mm. Yeah, those are great. Like, And the other ones, like, learn how to dismiss Shub Niggeroth or how to summon Shub Niggeroth. I don't know if those are any, those are good things to know, especially the summoning one. 
Right. Um, but he also recommends that you, if whoever succeeds, they learn the first one, and then whoever learns later on, they it'll be totally random. And you can add to the table if you want to. Yeah, you can so, roll D twelve if you want to at this point too. Yeah, it's D twelve. Yeah, but you could expand out the twenty or more. You know, use percentile dice. But there's some pretty cool stuff there in the learning room. Not necessarily gonna kill you, but it could potentially hurt you. Right, or kill you should you start summoning things. Yeah, like Sean Biggeroth, who comes by and like sucks the brain out of your head, right. or whatever. Yes, if you do the random roll and that's the first thing they learn, they learn to summon him. They don't know what they're summoning, but they learn. Yeah. No, they can summon it. Yes. That <laughs> That would be very bad. And knowing my group, that would be very, very bad. But <laughs> So you have the mining room where there's these bionic burrowers. Burrower is a new monster in this one, right? Mm-hmm. If I remember it's, correctly. Uh, the burrower is actually a reskin of uh, intellectual property. So it's a modification of an actual uh, monster. We could say that, you know. It actually says it in... The module that it is. Right. So I'm not. Is it a Zorn? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Because <laughs> it didn't look like one. No. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. I didn't think it was a Zorn. It doesn't look like one. But, so but there's a might... garbage. There's a garbage room with a bionic Otiug. <laughs> was one of his tentacles was bionically enhanced by replacing it with a chainsaw. Groovy. Yeah. So he comes out of the poop pit. <laughs> comes out there like Jason Voorhees. Um, Actually, the burrow is listed as a new monster. Yeah, I thought it was a new yeah, monster. It's a new monster according to this module. Yeah. Where did I see that? Cause I see. I, first I thought it was a Zord, too, but then I looked at the end of the adventure. I'm like, oh, it's a new monster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's a... It's in there somewhere. Let Matt Anyways. Google through it. Let's continue. Yeah. But uh, then you have the brain storage room. That was cool. And this is where you find all the different cylinders. And there's several dials on the cylinders. It has really good descriptions on how hot, how big they are and what brains are in the cylinders. Like the dials either, you know, they either put the person back to sleep or they're fully awake. You set the dial in the middle. They're so. They're like in a hypnotic trance. Then you have a volume control and all that. Then there's the first cylinder has a hyperborean sorcerer named Zerkrin. He's quite insane, having been kept in there for uncountable years. So you have basically some sorcerer from uh, the uh, world of Conan, the barbarian. Every time I read this room, I keep thinking of like the Futurama headroom where they had all those little heads on the shelves. and Yes. Expect to find Richard Nixon in a head, his head in a jar. Yes, I'm running for president the president again. of the earth. President of the earth. Raw. <laughs> so, so you have that. Uh, this, there's another cylinder. There is a human from Earth. It could be uh, anything from Harry Ackley, if you remember the original story. This is based on an 80s value girl, a Roman soldier to a Dixinian orphan. So... So you're saying Oliver Twist's his head is in a jar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the third cylinder has a brain from a bean from a gas giant planet. Extremely alien and incomprehensible to the party, even using magic. 
and then the four-cylinder contains a brain of an elder thing. An alien race that sort of looks like a six-limbed <laughs> and winged seven-foot-tall eggplant. Um, and there's another cylinder. The fifth one has a Mygo brain in it named Bzzz Bzzz. <laughs> and they're growing him a dwarf body. So he's going to put his brain in a dwarf body. And the last cylinder is of an old woman by the name of Gwen. And uh, that's part of the, like, the key of the adventure. You're, one of the people that went missing is Gwen. Mm-hmm. And and she she keeps coming back and talking about, you know, how these these creatures are, uh, they're, she's, like, kind of starting a cult around them. <laughs> and she's, if you talk to her, she demands you leave the Maigo alone, and they're going to, they're just mining mithril. They're not going to harm anybody. And she's promised a brand new body. So, okay. <laughs> well, they don't seem like they really are harming people except for snatching bodies. But uh, right. I mean, they even say yeah. at one point that the, they will leave people alone unless they get really nosy. So, right, right. You know, you know, know how murder hobos are. So, <laughs> with shotguns. With shotguns. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I got the reference. Thank you. <laughs> I've yet to see that movie. Yeah. But, um, hour, yeah. Yeah. Hobo with a shotgun. I got to watch that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, you got the surgery room. Uh, there's an operating table with several straps on it. There's saws and scalpels and pincers all around. And there's a console with dials, lights, and buttons. This is basically the room where they take the brains out of the people's bodies. And they give you um, yeah, all bionic uh, implants, pretty much. Yes, you can do right. the bionic implants. This is, and some of these aren't so great. Kind of <laughs> yeah. a strange thing that you can allow the players to do that. And I understand, you know, maybe it'd be kind of cool, but I'm kind of confused on where he gets his minuses from on some of them. Why certain stats would get minused on some. I mean, I can oh, understand yeah, like when the you want to get the speed. Yeah, I can understand the dermal plating you can get on your body. It improves yeah. your armor class and reduces your charisma. I could see that totally reducing your charisma. But reflexes, you can increase your bionic reflexes by uh, something, but you also lose your wisdom either either to eight or by three points, whichever's lower. How does that work in a swap? <laughs> That almost feels, isn't it like in Shadowrun, where if you have more cybernetics, it affects your ability to use magic? Oh, yeah, maybe. Also, it's that. The more you go towards technology, the more you lose your natural human side, perhaps? I I was just thinking that. Maybe this is a reflection on your becoming less human. I guess he's equating that that stat for Shadowrun versus wisdom in this game. Okay. I I could see that. But here's here's the little caveat to getting all these implants. Unbeknownst to the PCs, implanting themselves with Mygo Bionics will make them potentially susceptible to commands given by the Mygo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they could be partially taken over, like if the Mygo tells them to go, like, uh, um, I don't know, kill your friend. And you must obey for 1d6 rounds if you fail your saving throw versus magic. Yeah, if they had the bionic hand, I could even see having the Mygos just controlling the hand. So it's yeah. like something out of Evil Dead at that Ooh, point. <laughs> <laughs> at which point you need that chainsaw to cut it back off. 
Yes. And then you have also in this room, there's a whole bunch of chemicals that are uh, the liquids of various types and cylinders around, and there's like auto-injectors. And there are several pink vials, red, purple, whatever. But uh, they do different things. Like the pink one heals Mygo, but uh, if, you're, if you're human or other mammals, it, you take one to six hit points of damage per dose. Um, and the red one, it'll heal humans. Mm-hmm. And the pur- purple one cures disease in Mygo, but does 1d8 D- points of damage per dose to humans. Green cures disease, blue, turns your skin blue permanently. La, la. Huh. Yeah, you become a big old smurf. Mm-hmm. A golden, it glows, You this glows slightly and acts as a restoration spell. Mm-hmm. The orange one, you gain a random physical mutation. So if Use compatible post-apocalyptic RPG for this. That's what it says in parentheses. So, gamma World. If you want to whip out your Gamma World book, <laughs> this is the time to do it. <laughs> and then you have the yellow one where you could get a random mental mutation. And then you have the yellow-green one. It restores a human to life. Ooh. If dead more than a day, though... Intelligence reduced by one, and alignment is shifted to chaotic. Dead more than two days, intelligence reduced by three, alignment is shifted to chaotic evil. Um, how many of you are familiar with Reanimator? Yes. Yeah. Herbert West Reanimator. That's the reanimation drug, the yellow-green right there. The longer you're dead when you come back, yeah, the more insane you're going to be and, cra- and evil. So... So that's the uh, the surgery room. Then you have the body storage area where there's uh, various types of bodies that they're growing or they have in storage, excuse me, that uh, when they, uh, you know, go out in their, their meat puppets. So uh, they have the uh, body of Gwen there. There's another body of a beautiful, athletic, young, blonde woman that they're going to use as a, a grown body that they're going to uh, for, manipulate. For Gwen, um, supposedly. Yeah. It might be for Gwen. They th- yeah, it's, it's suspected to be, yeah. Yes. Um, there's also the body of a minotaur there. Which I could <laughs> totally see one of my players saying, ooh, can I have my brain stuck in there? Yeah, exactly. And there's the real body of a Mygo there. Mm. Uh, actually, three of them. Uh, three real bo- uh, bodies of Mygos there were the various ones that are in this area. Uh, what's their names? Sorry, excuse me. Zardron, Korlon, and Ahura are the three of the Mygo who are going around in the areas, you know, searching for whatever they think is uh, interesting. So they take their, their, they leave their Mygo bodies here, and they go out in their manufactured bodies of human beings, which when the parties do see that, when the party members do see them, their bodies look very, look too perfect. They almost look artificial, you know? Mm. So, 
Then there's the vat room where they actually grow the stuff. They grow the bodies. There's a couple of bodies of um, male and female dwarves, male and female humans. Um, there's a bizarre body that looks like a large eggplant with wings and limbs. That's an elder thing. <laughs> so um, this area is um, – this could be a real Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it says in there all the cylinders are connected to a large machine, which is a slot to insert a brain cylinder. Uh, if one and a certain button, if one is and a certain button is pressed, the machine extracts a DNA sample from the brain and constructs a new body for that brain based on that DNA in the first empty vat. So this could be an area where if the party members figure it out, they can make themselves literally immortal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> possibly grow their, you know, they're going to have like all their clones set up. So it'll be like almost like turning into the game paranoia where you have your six other clones <laughs> sitting up there. Can clone his and very own, a, his very own met Leonard Nimoy like Sheldon wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Once the clone Leonard Nimoy today didn't, you know? Yeah. Uh, then we have the dining area. Nothing really interesting in there. Uh, you got a food storage preparation area. Um, there is a section in there, though, because uh, it's refrigerated, and some of the meat hanging there uh, seem to be human. But these were corpses dug up in the graveyard used to feed the ghast. So. Then you have the really cool fungi, fungi, fungi or fungi forest, where you have three mygo there that you'll run into with a bionic flail snail. Yeah, another creature from the Fiend Folio. The sixties so, room. The sixties hippie room going on. Yes, because like all the fungi are like giving off psychedelic colors, and um, and I. And if you're in the room for too long, the uh, fungi in the room give off hallucinogenic gas. So for every five rounds there, uh, one to three PCs must make a saving throw versus poison or suffer hallucinations for one to three rounds. And there's a really interesting list of hallucinations that you randomly roll for. Yeah. 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 Uh, like uh, individual believes he is in a swamp and strips off gear and armor to avoid sinking. Um, believes he's attacked by a swarm of spiders. Uh, believes uh, his items held are turned into vipers and the snakes. Uh, you believe you start you're suffocating. Uh, believe you shrunk to one tenth normal size and on and on and on. Yeah. So. You can imagine where some of these things happen, and some people made their saving throw, and some others did not. <laughs> you know, you got someone there crawling all over me. Oh my god! Oh my god! And you're looking I'm like, what's your problem? <laughs> so, this is a potentially dangerous room because you got the hallucinogenics, you got the mygo, and the bionic flail snail. Because that bionic flail snail, the tentacles have been changed out for bionic tentacles if you get hit by them it's you get an electric shock which could stun you for one to three rounds so 
that's I I love that uh, fung fungi forest. I think that's pretty cool. Then uh, there's an incubation room for uh, I guess for the uh, I, I'm not really sure what is incubating in the room. <laughs> I guess for when they take when the bodies are grown, they put them in these containers and they're they're grown out a little bit more to keep them warm. Uh, it, just, and, it just has three square glass boxes of varying sizes against the wall of the room. It doesn't yeah, actually so say I, what their purpose is or what the purpose of this room is. Yeah, I, I that, when I thought, you know, okay, incubation room, maybe when the, bo- the, the bodies are going in the vats, they take them to the incubation room to keep them, keep them warm like, you know, like an incubator for like an egg, you know? Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Then there's the chapel. Yes. The Migo worship something. They worship Subnigaroth, a fertility goddess, if you're familiar with the Cthulhu mythos. And uh, let's see if I can read a little bit on this. Where is it? There is... Oh, yes. There's a strange oblong device. Basically, it's the Migo equivalent of an organ. <laughs> It's got a whole bunch of keys on it, a few foot pedals, and it produces strange, eerie music. And if you have a bard in the party, uh, he can maybe figure that out if you really want that to happen. Because it says, actually doing so is probably a bad idea, as the power to summon mythos beings. Merely playing a note, just one note, summons a servitor of the outer gods. And that's not good. And it looks like an enormous deflated squeamish beach ball with eight tentacles, a large mouth, and several smaller mouths. It awakens, it inflates, rises up, and grabs two flute-like instruments in its tentacles, pointing it in smaller mouths, and beginning to play a tune suspiciously like Inagata (laughs) Davida. I love that. That's so cool. I'm thinking, gosh, that would be really eerie to start playing that song as soon as this happens on, on like on your laptop with some speakers. They're gonna be like everybody's gonna be looking at you like, What? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then once it starts playing Inagata Davida on the flutes, the person playing the organ joins in. Yes. So you, so yes. you start your band. <laughs> Then you have the plane. Yes. And as he's playing Inagata de Vida, it's summoning more monsters. Uh huh. Yeah. So, and you have a chance of summoning a avatar of Shubnigaroth called Zuna. So, there's that room. Potentially very dangerous room there. So, um,. And there's a playroom. <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. There, um, they have a playroom for the Mygo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like there's strange shapes of odd, strange shapes, strange shaped objects of elastic material, somewhat like rubber or plastic. I don't know, Play-Doh. <laughs> Here it is a. But you go into this room. 
And I'll say it like Matt would. There's this little girl, yeah. 10 years old, blonde and blue-eyed, and very sweet-looking. In reality, she is the half-human offspring of some nigger off. <laughs> Fathered by one of the Mygo human allies roughly two months ago. So she's an avatar of Shubnigaroth. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's like another potential bad situation here because, you know, she'll be friendly to the party, but if she gets, she becomes angry, she will mutate into a her a form which has like thick skin claws and spikes along her spine and I love the description here it says her monstrous form looks vaguely like a human female but one is drawn by uh, uh, Giger if you're familiar with H.R. Giger alien with chitinous armor and large spikes from her spine so yeah really nasty so, and there are, uh, there's another room, a gateway room, where there's some more Mygo in it. This is the gate, this is how the Mygo got to the game world. Uh, they created some extra planar gate, and they come from a dark planet between Mizar and Alcor systems at Ursa Major. I could see, like, the whole Stargate, like, gate there, and, like, you know, it opens up, yeah. and they... Whoosh. Yes. Or have the gate from Star Trek. Yeah. You know? The Guardia Forever. Yeah, this is basically how the adventure can continue. If you want to wiping all the Mygo out in the aftermath section on the next page, they talk about how they'll just keep coming, and finally, if you just keep destroying them, they'll just blow the whole thing up, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or maybe your or players actually go through the portal. Has, like, yes. Or you can turn around and have the adventures, like it says. You can use it as a way to go to the Mygo world. That would be kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> There's some... And also, you got a few more quarters for the Mygo that you'll run into where they're, where they're living. And you have the Mygo commander and his bionic Sasquatch. <laughs> How many of you remember the $6 million man? <laughs> Me. Yeah, the Bionic Sasquatch. <laughs> yes, got to make the sound effects. Mm -hmm. Um, in this room, one of the, I guess, the treasures. There's a, like a looks like a metal suitcase, and there's a. And how you get into it? The combination is actually a color combination. It's basically like a a bag of holding, but uh, it's a it's a suitcase. In each area, there's like different areas you get into it. Uh, I'll have to read the description later. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, yeah, it talks about the aftermath and further adventures, like you were talking about, Vince. How uh, what happens with Cena if she gets out? John Cena. So, as Matt's doing, you can't see me in the back there. Uh, <laughs> she could, if you, if Trilisi, that swan, swan may, if she survives, she could raise Cena to be a swan may of sorts. Uh, 
She may, though, start a cult. Well, Corlon and Ahura, if they survive, they go out into the world and they'll start a cult dedicated to the Avatar Shadnigaroth Zuna. Uh, This says, this might not be a bad thing, but the local religious establishment will not like it one bit. Yeah, think. <laughs> and then you also have the one group that's opposed to him, the Keepers of the Yellow Sign, which I kind of alluded to earlier, which um, your party could, as a way of getting into this, could be a part of this uh, cult, Keepers of the Yellow Sign. Um, or if, if not, they could be another group of NPCs you could run into that... They have the same goal, maybe, in mind, but they are still opposed to you. I don't know if these are guys you really want to no. be allied with. So, but I, I, I really, overall, I like the this module on the suggestions that he gives later on. Like, you can incorporate some other things from modern UFOlogy, like the stuff about the Greys or the Nordics, the Space Brothers, if you're familiar with all the UFOlogy stuff out there. So that's pretty cool. That's a so you can probably as I think as far as visual wise, you can find stuff on the internet and you can incorporate that into this game, into this adventure. It'd be think the real neat way of of enhancing this adventure. Yeah, so, so, and the rest of the adventure has the new bestiary, has the new technology, explains all the new little weapons, um, mm-hmm. and they actually go, he actually went as far as putting the the uh, the summon and the dismissal ceremony or incantations that he spoke about learning earlier. Yep, how long it would take, what you to use to do it. So he actually went that far. And then he went for the brain cylinder occupation generator, so you can see. What yes, you I love that. You could put inside, generate random things for the uh, brain cells because it could be more than just one. I'm just like that whole room in Futurama. You could do the whole thing there too. Oh yeah, you got more cylinders. That'd be fantastic. And then then he brings he uh, describes a secret organization, keepers of the yellow sign. Uh, goes right. into some detail about that. And then we see the new monsters, and then we have the OGL, and then we have our nice little map for the players, I guess, because when they go in, they can get their own version of the map. I'm not sure. And then they have the key of the map as well, but mm-hmm. can't really see it on this thing that well. That might be like uh, when you... Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, How would they get a map? That's the only thing I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I guess when they first maybe go in, and that, maybe when that guy greets them, he hands them a map. Oh, I have no idea. That's right. I totally forgot about that. I'm sorry. Maybe yeah. as they're playing with the uh, one item that works as a crystal ball somewhere, they're, they can start visualizing room by room. Oh, yeah, room. that room. Yeah, that room. It's like, oh, what's this? <laughs> Point to it. Right. What's this? What's this? And next thing you know, they have their own mall directory. <laughs> yeah. And then... So. Uh, uh, finally, he has his back cover where he has. Be sure to check out his other modules: the Lost Shrine of Serona. Is that Serona? It's hard to tell with the font. My Serona. Sor- yeah, my Serona. And the Forsaken Burial Vault, and then he has a bunch of forthcoming modules. So he's a very busy guy. Yeah, I like the sound of this one: the Forgotten Temple of Chaos. Yeah, I want that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this adventure and drive through RPG is a pay what you want module. So go ahead and download it for nothing and then read it over. And if you really like it, throw the author some change. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's worth it. Yeah. You know, throw a few bucks his way. Yeah. I, overall, I like this adventure because one, it's different. Then you're running the middle dungeon <clears throat> crawl. Two, it's incorporating some of my favorite stuff, the Cthulhu mythos. Mm-hmm. And and three, um, he's left it up to the dungeon master to incorporate into his game world as he sees fit. So this is a real easy plug and play adventure you can throw it anywhere. So, yeah, it was like when I first was reading this, I'm like, you know. I could see just running this in Gamma World, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This would be a great Gamma World one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this is one you could actually use in multiple different systems, and that's the nice thing about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because rule-wise and whatnot, it's... It's, since it's OGL, you can easily port it into just about any system. You can even tweak this a bit, and next thing you know, you're running it in Shadowrun. Yeah. because it, it even has that the magic and tech mix there. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a fun little mod, uh, adventure that you could run in a night. And, yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out and sending the few dollars author's way as well. I think this would be also a good one. A lot of people like to do one-shots for Halloween. This mm-hmm. would be a good one for that, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so it, it's – Yes. Oh, I was going to say, this is, I was just thinking, this is Expedition to the Berry Peaks Little Brother. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you we know? could even link the two together. Maybe. You know, I've been trying to think about that, you know? I've been trying to think, how could I, how could you link those two modules together? Because they're about the same levels as far as the adventures, I think. Right. Yeah. That um, would well, be good. Um, yeah. If you did something where maybe the spaceship crashed because they were trying to travel through time and space to find the my the find the my goats for whatever reason perhaps they're trying to thwart uh the my goats maybe and also whenever i think of the my goats i'm also going back to the myconids as well maybe work those in the other fungus on the other end of the uh, evil yeah. spectrum so, so yeah but yeah they're so let's, give us, a, let's give us a review. Usually we give swords, but that's for regular TSR modules. So let's go with shields for OSR stuff. All right. So I give this one a 4.5 out of 5 shields. And the reason why it doesn't get a full 5 is because it doesn't have page numbers. Urgh! I hate that. <laughs> I like page numbers, so I know how to keep track of stuff on the module when yeah. I'm writing notes. Page that's- numbers, table of contents. I don't care about table contents so much. I like page numbers. That's really because I could just say in my DM notes when I'm writing a paper, like page five, monster here, you know. Right. That's my only complaint. Um, I'll I'll give this four and a half out of five shields as well. Okay. Um, one for the one thing that you told me that no no page numbers, but also like on the incubation room. It was kind of vague. It was like you have to figure out yourself what it's actually for, even as the dungeon master. Yeah, and, um, you could say that it's it, it, you take the bodies there and they incubate, but that you have to make that right. up. So, and the potential of making the player characters immortal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you could grow your own uh, multiples of your own body. I'm like that could be 
you know, that could break a campaign. I don't know, <laughs> but but I, I but overall, it's great presentation, uh, fantastic uh, ideas, <clears throat> uh, new ideas in here, um, and, and and taking a story of Lovecraft and and modifying it in a way that it could be used in a D and D game. <laughs> I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed reading through this, and I'm. It's definitely going to be incorporated in my new campaign. So, cool. Yeah, there you yeah. have it. Matt, your cat want to give a review because I just saw him go across the screen again. And yes, uh, this is Boo, and she apparently just wants to walk all over me right now and explore <laughs> the room. Uh, as for reviews, what is that, Boo? What do you think of it? Okay. Boo says it's it's a four. Four, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, one, from my personal preference, I can just see chaos ensuing once my party gets a hold of all the technological stuff. Um, not <laughs> to mention they would also probably start, oh, let's use all these bionics. I mean, I could see it just derailing a campaign if you have the wrong type of players who want to take everything they see. <sighs> Unless you're prepared to run a Gamma World sci- more sci-fi-ish campaign. Uh, it would. This actually would be a great way to use it. Like, if you wanted to transition an existing fantasy game into something more like that, you could use this as the transition to add that. If you mm-hmm. want to go down a different path, and again, also page numbers. Please give me page numbers. And I'm also like a table of contents index guy. A modules, not so much. You don't need an index, no. but give me table of contents. Um, because, yeah, I like flipping to page numbers, and so a lot of times I'll even print these out, especially this. I mean, it's only, you're looking at, like, 16, 17 pages, <clears throat> so at that point, I'll just print it out and use it as opposed to even dealing with a tablet, because I like hard right. copies. I think it's, like, 20 but, pages, yeah. yeah. The, the ideas are good, though. Um, the the map is great. It The map actually was reminding me of uh, Starship Troopers Hives, the way it's laid out. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, I like it. There's definitely ideas to peel, use it. I, if I were to run it, I mean, I would probably try to have more fantasy explanations for the tech as opposed to going more on the sci-fi realm. But then again, that's just personal preference. Well, yeah, that's um, that was actually one of the points I was going to make. Is as far as a detractor for somebody, if this might not be a uh, adventure for you, if you don't want any science fiction elements in your fantasy campaign. If you don't want your chocolate mixing with your peanut butter. Yeah. Okay, then. But I kind of like that because just lately I've been on the whole gonzo, go nutso, my standard, I've been saying dwarves with shotguns and lasers sorts of thing. So, But for somebody who wants to, I guess, more of a purist, uh, purist, I suppose, then yeah, this might not be the adventure for for you. So, but if you ever wanted to run a game with sharks with laser beams on their head, this would be the adventure. Freaking lasers on their freaking heads. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like the module winds up with a four and a quarter, a little over four and a quarter rating of shields. So mm-hmm. it's a highly recommended pick up and take a listen to. Yes, cheesy Google sound effects. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, we're all we're all queued up next time Nick tells a joke. <laughs> hey! 
So pick up the module, uh, Matt. Put the if you. I think I gave you the link of the module in the yeah. notes. Throw that into our show notes so the folks can go look it up. Uh, definitely take a look at it. If you have a module you want us to review, just drop it our, a link in our email. Or if someone has a module they want us to try to buy and, and download and, and review, just throw us the link, rfistaff at gmail.com. And we'll be back in two weeks from the show. So keep original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye, everybody. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Thank you.